0: hello everyone this is tommy at world at war comics and we have another fantastic show for you today but before we get into that please hit the subscribe button make sure you hit that ring bell. that way you're notified every time a new interview is being dropped and you know that really helps the algorithm and helps us bring more amazing interviews to you all right um uh this podcast is brought to you by cn chili's the best hot sauce you could buy please go to cnchilies.com, use comics at checkout, and you'll save 15%. C-I-E-N-C-H-I-L-E-S.com. And it is brought to you by Comic Crusaders. If you want to see the most amazing comic book reviews, movie reviews, and even music, go to comiccrusaders.com. It is all there. All right, without further ado, I'm super excited to share with you K.J. Kaminsky. He is the writer and creator of the resistance. Um, This is a blast. I really love it. It is a mixture of a sci-fi and GI Joe put together. Um, You're gonna love this comic book. The art is fantastic. The character development is just crazy good. Um, It is published by Big Blue Comics. And uh, you could go to bigbluecomics.com and check out all the different titles um, that are under Big Blue. Um, And it is a lot of these comics, the resistance. There's Kestrel, and there's all kinds of different arcs of the Resistance. So this one right here is the broadcast offensive. I saw and met KJ at the San Diego Comic-Con and picked up this entire arc, and I loved it. He's coming on, and he's going to share all the news of everything that's going on. All right, without further ado, KJ and I. Thank you, everyone. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics today. My special guest is Mr. KJ Kaminski. KJ, how are you doing today, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm good.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to uh, see you again. I know we met briefly at San Diego Comic-Con, but when I saw the art on your comic books, I was like, holy crap, is that G.I. Joe? Is it back? And then uh, we started looking at it, and I remember talking to you, and I can't remember how you – because it's a, it's a sci-fi, um, but it certainly has um, kind of that G.I. Joe team feel that we were kind of talking about earlier – um, but just the character development and the universe that you've created is absolutely awesome. That's was I was super excited because we talked about coming on the podcast and I was like, I got to get them on, man. I'm loving this, man. So I got to jump on because I know you have a lot of other series too that I got,
1: got to get. Yeah. Uh, the resistance, I like to call them an uncompromising strike force and they're made up of, uh, alien refugees, human outlaws and bounty hunters a hundred years in the future. Yeah. Um, we- when I talk about G.I. Joe, I guess somebody actually asked about this recently. Mm-hmm. I, if you compare them to, to a sliver of G.I. Joe history, it'd probably be more like Renegades. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with the animated series. Oh, yeah. um, that You know, that group of heroes on the run uh, and uh, the powers that be after them and fighting corruption and manipulation, wherever it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, before we get too much into the resistance, I would love to go back. Um, and kind of learn the history of you and comics. So when did that passion for comic
1: books begin for you? Oh, pretty young, I guess, you know, elementary school. Um, I started reading comics um, and uh, G.I. Joe is really what got me into it. Yeah. Um, when the toy line launched in 82, that Christmas, I got the vamp. Um, but it, it was probably a year or two later, right before the, the animated series hit. I, I remember getting GI Joe number seven. Oh, wow. My, my first comic that I'll always remember. I know I had some, you know, random comics before that, but that was a comic that I know that I loved and held on to until my grandma threw it away a couple of years later. But
0: yeah, that, I think that happened to a lot of people around the U S
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and G.I. Joe really just sparked sparked my imagination and uh, uh, got into comics and, um, you know, from there started getting into Transformers and then starting to see the in-house uh, ads for all of the Marvel Universe stuff. Yeah. And so eventually graduated into uh, Spider-Man and X-Men yeah. and then uh, the big indie scene by probably, I don't know, 12, I think. I, I remember at 12 years old, I said, I know when I get older, I'm going to work in comics. Yeah. I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but <laughs> I'm going to work in comics when I grow up. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, did that
0: passion for writing start about the same time when you were young or did that come a little later?
1: That actually, yeah, it came later. It was it's kind of I, I thought I, I was going to be an artist. Okay. Uh, I always drew and created my own characters and created things. Um, I was always in art class all through um, up until high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, actually, my co-creator on The Resistance, he was an artist also. And we would get together and talk about making comics. And his talent was so much above mine. I always kind of felt like I was never going to catch up. Um, and I knew that I was creating mm-hmm. and, um, my sophomore year of high school, I was actually taking summer school mm-hmm. and took creative writing class. And that's when I decided, okay, I guess I'm going to be a writer instead. <laughs> well, that's awesome though.
0: That's where the passion Yeah, was. but was you teacher, know, was it like, how did you get into, was it the teacher that you just really liked and like
1: everything opened up for you, um, up to that point? Um no not the teacher I I'm kind of weird I I've never really connected with teachers Yeah <laughs> like I've never had a favorite teacher I was talking about that with my mom recently Yeah yeah but no, it was it was just the um I guess just the presentation or it was the textbook or something Yeah and allowing me to it seemed like the first time that I tried to express myself without art Yeah yeah It's yeah. always drawing first and writing after
0: yeah and yeah. That,
1: that was the first time where i had to stay hands off i think with with the art side yeah uh, and realized and then shortly after that is when my co-creator and i decided well let's team up then and see what we can come up with yeah, and yeah. created the resistance in 91 i think
0: really? so in high school you created it
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> cool man wow Wow. So, what's the like? Is one of the characters that you created in the Resistance now? Oh, all of them. Oh, all okay. So, yeah, I didn't know if you
1: like <laughs> pretty much, a... Yeah. Oh, that's no. Awesome. It's just kind of funny. Uh, yeah. Um, and the three characters that you see on the front there. Um, yeah. Vulcrum, uh who's on the the tall one, uh, the all white alien. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I create created him. Um. I, I was I designed him around sophomore right. year yeah and then um i had him in this and one of the other characters in the book called grim yep grim uh, yeah we took the, those I, two the characters veteran, the veteran then, uh
0: military guy
1: yeah yeah and then uh jason kraus had a design for interval the main character yep right here in the middle and, yeah and then we sat down and co-created adam Um, who uh, the character who is now called melee and a character jade who kind of we kind of swapped her out for kestrel
0: nice yeah (laughs) not a character yeah
1: those what's that the character development is awesome well i think you know so these characters i'm 48 now (laughs) yeah yeah me too i'm 48 yeah okay so 32 years ago is when these characters first you know were formed so they lived in my head for just decades. Like, you know, you, you constantly refine their, their histories are so, um, in my head. So, uh, uh, like set up and, uh, uh, laid out that, you know, they're fully formed characters the minute I start writing them because I've had decades to work on them. That. That's awesome, man.
0: That's awesome. Well, I mean, they, they jail so good together and, uh, yeah, you could Thank tell you. that, uh, they weren't traded by individuals and you're trying to put them all together, man. There, there's a nice, uh-huh. like you said, nice teamwork. And a, you feel like as a writer, um, it's really working very well with one another, which is really cool.
1: Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's, it, it's so hard because uh, when it comes to the resistance, like I'm a super fan of my own property for sure. Like, you know, I'm, very biased and and it's also hard to get up and say oh i'm writing the greatest thing ever here yeah uh, but yeah i've been so fortunate to work with the artists and colorists that i've worked with so far uh jason johnson who's the main artist on the on uh the resistance um he got a start with jim lee back in the day that's
0: a pretty um, good artist to get your start with
1: yeah right yeah. <laughs> uh, wildstorm studios he started oh. as an intern uh, went on to work on uh, Wetworks and uh, Gen 13, um, went on to do some DC work with Impulse and Flash, a little Generation X, uh, left the comic industry, mm-hmm. and then uh, I just lucked out. He was looking to do uh, comics again, and I was looking for a Wildstorm-type artist. That's crazy, man. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And The art is just phenomenal. It's just crazy good. Yeah, the the new series, the new stuff that he's been working on, it it I think it blows the first series away. That's um, incredible. it's really some amazing stuff, and I, I'm so bummed. I should have sent you the stuff ahead of time.
0: Oh, that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm da- I'm a backer, so I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna get it right.
1: Oh, okay,
0: okay. <laughs> I didn't. <realize. laughs> so I'll definitely get it. So I'm really excited about that. But well, then, and, and on you your see website, the... there's so many different story arcs that I haven't. was hyper what's it called hyper uh
1: hyper action
0: hyper action and that's part of the same universe right
1: yeah yeah and i like to call it a world because sometimes i feel like the term universe can be overwhelming yeah and i you know i'm trying to to create something very connected and very um everything is happening in uh the pacific southwest okay Um, so what was the u.s but Hyper action deals uh more with the bounty hunters, mercenaries, and criminals, hmm. and tells some individual stories of the resistance history. Like okay. um one, one of the stories is uh it tells the story of Interval, the leader of the resistance, hmm. um, when she was a bounty hunter and oh. why she's no longer a bounty hunter That's and cool. left that to 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 um chase this cause that she's yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Um But yeah, and uh, it's a double feature flip book. So you get two stories in each issue. Nice. And the artwork is just fantastic. Um, We've had uh, Drew E. Johnson was the artist on the interval story. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did a run on Wonder Woman with Greg Ruka. Um, His more recent stuff has been uh, the Kong Godzilla graphic novels from uh, Legendary. Yeah, wow, uh, you don't mess around when you get artists. Yeah, you know, it's uh, a lot of this, though, has been, you know, going to conventions sure, uh, and meeting people and and finding like minded people who want to just make cool comics. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, somebody like Drew, I was able to catch him at a time where he had some space in his, his schedule and uh, he was coming off working for DC and moving to Legendary. Yeah, and so I was able to get him to do this eleven-page story. That's awesome. That, yeah, it just, it just beautiful stuff. But, yeah. um, and then uh, Jason Howard, um, who's worked with Robert Kirkman and Warren Ellis a lot at Image Comics on uh, Super Dinosaur and Trees. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got him to him to do us, or he did a story actually back in the nineties. And it was sitting in a drawer, and so I had it colored, and we had somebody re-script it and letter it, and it held up, and he did a new cover, and so we got a story out of that. That's awesome. um, That uh, introduced uh, two of our coolest bounty hunters.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome, man. Yeah.
1: Incredible. So how many different arcs do you have? So with the Resistance, there's uh, the Broadcast Offensive, which yep. is the first four issue miniseries. So I have and, that. Oh, I started at the right ones, then, right? Yeah, yeah. And okay. and I've kind of approached this though as if what we did in the nineties mm-hmm. actually the stories continued. Mm-hmm. If you notice from the story, the team's been together for about five years. Yeah, yeah. And so back in the nineties, my co-creator Jason Krause and I, we formed a small company called Blue. Mm. And we actually published a couple anthologies with stories of the resistance. Ah, And that was going to be the formation of the team back in, I think that was 95 and 96. Mm. That I think I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, um, so I kind of took that idea that, okay, these stories that Jason and I were going to tell, they were told. Yeah. And now yeah. here we are five years later. And this is a very um consequential moment in the team's <laughs> life. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we have the broadcast offensive with four issues. Um, we did the hyper action to kind of flesh out the characters a little more. We've done three issues of that. Okay. Uh the Kestrel one shot, which you showed off. I got uh, that is kind of an origin story of the character. Uh-huh. Um Pretty interval.
0: yeah she's amazing
1: kind of sad then, um,
0: uh, the oh, i'm sorry the it's kind of sad though and i don't want to give it away but i felt really bad for her toward the end in issue three i'm like oh man and she has to be in that same environment so yeah
1: and and that's what we're dealing with in this next story arc got you okay um, the bounty hunter blitz that's on kickstarter right now I see. Um, it's uh it's a ton of fun uh a ton of bounty hunters going after the resistance because of the bounties on their heads yeah um and yeah and hopefully a lot of uh good character moments and uh uh showing a lot of character when it comes to interval and kestrel yeah um jason johnson is working on issue three right now he's halfway through wow. um And issue one's on kickstarter so Um, We should be able to keep it going. And um, we got a great colorist, Emmanuel Ordez Torres. And Mm -hmm. I probably butchered the pronunciation, but uh, he's just, his colors are just, just popping. And everyone's really happy with what he's doing right now. For sure. I mean, if it's anything like the, because he didn't
0: do it on these ones though, right? He wasn't the colorist. Uh, No,
1: our original colorist on there, uh, his name was uh, Ross A. Campbell. Um
0: okay. they're great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, he's gone on to greener pastures. Um, okay. he's done a lot of work for DC the last few years. Okay, and, yeah. And uh and yeah, and I'm so happy for his success. It's you know, it's so good. Like I've worked with a lot of uh veterans, yeah, but it's nice to see somebody like Elite. surpass and graduate from the indie comic scene.
0: Yeah, like as a as a comic book writer. It hurts so much to lose someone that, you know, is really, really good, but you're so happy for him at the same time. So it's a, it's a weird emotion that you go through like, oh, but yes, I'm so happy for you, but no, right?
1: Right. Well, and then I, you know, I kind of hope like, oh, well, hopefully our book is help them get that job and do the right thing, you know? I
0: mean, no doubt if he's looking to try and work for the big two. I would be shopping around the colors that I did in your comic, right?' Right. right. example right. of my skill set, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So awesome. yeah, so I, I would think so. I don't yeah. know.
1: yeah, that's awesome, man that's awesome. And yeah. and it, you know it's like uh, uh, his success could always bleed too, you know, absolutely if, uh, people want to see more. they they know that we he worked with us. Uh, and then Ross also worked on our um my third series, Sophia Saturn. Okay, Uh, he did the colors for that too. That I uh, that was a separate from the Resistance and Hyperaction. It's a teen space adventure that I did with uh, Ben Herrera. Okay, yeah, who also worked on Hyperaction.
0: Oh, okay, very good. So that has nothing to do with the world that you created
1: here. Not yet. Oh, (laughs) interesting. Well, there's this thing. It's it's set 300 years in the future of the Resistance.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, and it's set on Saturn or and around Saturn nice so it could tie in there's no prerequisite reading or anything like that but um there there could be a time where maybe you see maybe interval lives that long yeah exactly (laughs) that's awesome though
0: now those two um issues that you said you wrote in the 90s that were kind of a prequel to the resistance and showed how they came together Uh Have those been put into comics that you're selling now under this label, or that was something you did a long time ago and they're floating around somewhere.
1: Um, I still have copies. Okay. Um, I'd like to reprint them in a trade at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, most of us that worked on them at that time are not as proud as we were when we were 19. Oh, sure. <laughs> like, I mean, you grow, right? So- I
0: mean, should, should have growth from that. But still, I mean, I'm if you could go back and just touch it up to make it at the level that you're doing now, because the story is still the story, right? You just probably need to add and take away a little bit. So it aligns with what you're doing now.
1: Right. Well, I, I've just considered it continuity. Yeah. I've just considered a part of continuity the whole time. Uh, Jason Cross, my co-creator, kind of teases me about it a lot of times. He's <laughs> like, nobody cares. You can change it. Like, no, it's kind
0: of a prequel of how they all came together in their individual story. I think that would be pretty cool. Now that you got me hooked on all these characters, (laughs) right? Now you just
1: want to know more. Yeah, we actually have some unpublished pages and unpublished story. Um, uh, I'd love to, but a lot of it is uh, getting quality artwork that we that we could reproduce yeah,
2: yeah outside
1: of scanning from the actual comics most people there's i've collected over the years i've tried to hold on to anything i could get my hands on but most of those pages are are lost in the way oh, yeah and if you did
0: have them it would be really cool for a kickstarter like if you hit certain goals that that you could get a page and over time with your kickstarters you could put like four or five pages together to tell the whole story i think that would be really cool like an additional thing to go after on your
1: Kickstarters to support it, you know? Well, I still have copies. So I, we actually, I offer them in the bigger packages. Oh, okay. And part of, you know, we, we were young and we weren't necessarily at a professional level yet. So one of the things that I've been hesitant at is putting that forward and somebody judging on us on that instead of what, what we're doing now. Oh, very Uh, good. So, with yeah. the bigger packages, like it's great to throw in because they've seen all the other quality that we've we've managed to do at this point. A really good but, point. Certainly don't want to do that. But they were um they were uh, actually distributed through Diamond. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, at that time it that? was uh, Diamond uh, the mid '90s. Yeah, Diamond's only criteria was there was just a quality level. Yeah, and if you hit that quality level. That's it. Okay. well, yeah, we'll put you in the catalog. That's awesome. Yeah. And we got I want to say I mean, it was horrible for the time, but I want to say we got like 800 orders for the first like black and white book and then like twelve hundred for the color. So meaning like there's a bunch of copies actually out there at shops or or there were at somebody's shop. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And every once in a while at a show, somebody brings one up
0: oh how cool it's yeah. awesome man that's gonna be a cool feeling though
1: yeah, yeah yeah um yeah but you know again it's it's yeah. not at the same level and definitely the writing is is the <laughs> worst out of everything <laughs> I, I think i didn't know what i was doing when i was just some punk 18 19 year old kid just loved the x-men and gi joe and said, okay, let's do high action science fiction. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and I, I think that's so cool. And I think we all, like if you grew up on comic books and you were riding your bike when you're 10 or eight years old to the comic book store to get your, you know, two comics for, what are they, 50 cents at that time probably? So my mom would give me a buck or two and uh, I would go down there and grab two comics and come back. And then when you read it, automatically you're like, man, I want to create my own characters and my own So then you're like 18, 19 and you carry that out and then it gets picked up by a distributor. Like, I think that's really cool. No matter how bad the story is and the art, I just think that's so fun because that was a dream of all of ours at that time.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's, it's this funny thing. I've been saying to my girlfriend, Uh like not having like this great success right now, you know, it's moderate, but you know, moderate success only takes you so far in the comic industry. But, um, uh, the idea that it's not as special to like put a comic together nowadays. Like you could go to Google and figure out a step by step of how to put a, together a comic. And yeah. in in the mid nineties, like when we were doing shows, just ha- having yeah. a comic was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, times change. <laughs> change, yeah. No, you right. It's
0: it has gotten. I don't want to say it's easy, but the availability to be able to produce your own comic is it's so right there. Right. I mean, any like you said, right. anybody can do it. I'm using Comic Wellspring to print my my comics. Great, I mean, great place, it's yeah. so simple. Right. You send in your right. PDF and you get a comic back. You're like, wow, this is incredible. You know, there is a lot of work to learn it, though. And I made the same mistake right. you probably made when you were 19. And so that's why you got to have a, a decent editor and all that good oh. stuff.
1: Over. back then things are really that's when uh things were starting to go towards computers like okay. early you know this was early image yeah. um and i know we had to get like professional color separations for some pages and mm. you know those acetate uh yeah. acetate uh uh like four level things and we had to send those to the printer uh the first uh book we actually cut out we would print the lettering and then cut it out and tape it on the boards yeah i think we actually sent the boards to the printer wow because i think at that point you know i don't believe it was digital files
0: really yeah
1: yeah it probably but, wasn't right you had to send in the the physical but now i'm trying to think of the second book that we did we might have had to buy a disc like like a square, like now weird floppy. cartridge. Not the floppy. What were they? I can't remember. I was computer illiterate back then, so I didn't deal with any of the production stuff. Right. Um our uh, uh my co-creator Jason Krause, he went to uh, a local um uh, uh art college mm. and his girlfriend too, and she was she was the one, Nicole Guffrey, uh now Nicole Worth. Uh, she was the one who handled all of our production stuff. And if it wasn't for her, there's no way we would have been able to figure out how to do all that stuff, especially when it came to color
0: yeah. at that time. Well, that's awesome. You had someone that you could go to. That's cool.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think uh, that's a lot in comics, though. You know, it's, all you know, comics, they, right? they always say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's what... Who you know what they know (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah really so really so (laughs) i need more friends who do sales i guess (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) now as as you're writing what is your favorite part in the process of putting a comic book together and then i'm going to ask you the opposite what is the one thing that you least like about that process and and when you say putting a comic
1: together, you mean... Yeah, I mean, right.
0: the writing, the, the back and forth the, with the artist to try and make sure that everything is taking place, the putting it all together for whoever you're sending it to to print, the, like all these different things, right? The lettering, like who's doing the lettering? You're, you're someone else on your team is or you do it?
1: No, I do. I do all the lettering. So back in the 90s, I, I depended a lot upon a lot of people to do all the production for me. Uh, when I decided to come back and do this again, yeah. it I I had a garage band back in the day, and I would have a three three member garage band. I would sing and play guitar, and as long as I had a drummer and a bass player, I could go play a show. Yeah. So I thought about that with comics, and I said if I could letter and put the books together, right, I just need to hire an artist and a colorist, and mm-hmm. I got a guy. Um. So I do all the production work, which is uh, you know a little. Oh, sometimes a lot, but, um, but no, uh, I'm trying to think what I dislike. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's good. I mean, you don't have
0: to dislike. So, I mean, right? You know, anything you do, no matter how much you love it, there's always one thing that is the lowest on, you might like it, but it's the lowest of the, you know,
1: of the likability in the process. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I think for most writers, uh-huh. the, the, greatest thing about making comics is when you get those pages yeah yeah like when an artist like at times can just grab images from your head somehow and put them on the on the page and you know you're working and you're on you're on the same page i guess um but just getting great artwork from artists is just oh just like an amazing feeling yeah. Um and and also that feeling that you had something to do with it. Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's awesome. I, I agree. It's it's weird. Like I say this often, I'm so proud to be part of this project. Yeah, <laughs> because my artists and my colorists are just amazing. Um, and it's like, thank you for letting me be part of my project. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's awesome that to, to see your
0: idea come to life. In pictures is absolutely incredible. Um, I I just could do it. It's just amazing that from here to there, it happened.
1: Right. And, and like I said earlier, like I used to want to be an artist. So I, when I write, I picture pages and I joke that I'm a writer because I just can't draw the things that are in my head and I got to convince somebody else to do it for me. (laughs) but uh uh so yeah that that idea like i've already seen these pages in my head and then to actually see them and be so close or better yeah like you know exceed expectations um but yeah i i just enjoy the whole process when it my favorite part about this whole thing is the making comics yeah is you know and and i don't use a writing program i just use text edit okay i just get a lot of satisfaction of writing page one panel one yeah yeah that whole process of just from outline to finished script and just like almost like a sculpture you know having it form yeah Uh, and then the art from the thumbnails to when the the pages come in and the coloring and you know trying to do my best on the lettering to you know uh meet everybody else's standards that they've put forth but um yeah that that whole process and even getting to the final file to send to the the printer and i'm a perfectionist and i go over and over and over but yeah that is so joyful yeah um, everything else is <laughs> Selling comics, not so much. Yeah, we'll see. There's the, there's one aspect that's not your favorite, right? Yeah, and <laughs> it's a grind, it just, right? Grind. Yeah, it's it's a grind, and you know I'm you know I think a lot of us were creative people because we don't really want to be in that business setting.
2: Yeah,
1: and I think nowadays it's it's just so different that. Um, To succeed, you have to be able to sell yourself and you are your own product. Mm -hmm. And if you can't sell yourself in this day and age, it's going to be really hard to succeed. Um, I I don't know that people really succeed on talent alone nowadays. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's very crowded, especially when most of
0: what you're selling has to take place through social media. Uh, Yes. Social media is very busy. It's a lot of traffic. And to to make noise, to understand the algorithms, to, to try and yeah. somehow cheat the algorithms. So you could, I mean, I'll send a post and 80% of the people who follow me don't get my post on right. Instagram. It goes to the 20% and then it goes to all these other random people that probably hate comics. I don't know. You right. know what I mean? So it's just, it's such a weird like process and to learn all of this is just, it's draining to be honest, right? Because you got your day job, right? You're doing this as a hobby because you love comics, and you're trying to sell enough to where at least you break even. That way you can make another issue because I love to do it. Um, and then all of a sudden you're fighting some algorithm, and I got to take some like master's course to figure out how to reach people right. that like comic books is crazy.
1: Yeah, um, and you know I've spent a lot of time like kind of rejecting it, yeah, and like thinking like okay in the future. I'll find somebody who knows how to do this and I'll pay them to do that. Yep. But then I realized like, well, I don't know that that's really sound business. Mm-hmm. Like when, when I, I had my own comic shop for a number of years and I would always talk with other friends who had businesses and there were certain things they wouldn't do in their business. And I would always say if if I expect my employees yeah. to clean the bathroom I should be willing to clean the bathroom too. Like,
2: yeah, Yeah. that's
1: the worst thing you can possibly do at, you know, at a comic shop. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so I'm trying to embrace it a little more and trying the idea of hiring somebody to do it, Mm -hmm. but not knowing if they're doing their job right or wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of not the way to go, you know, like, um, I, I have an art background. So, you know, if an artist turns in something where anatomy is messed up or perspective or, you know, even simplistic um, uh, storytelling fundamentals, you know, I know to look for those things. But when it comes to social media, yeah, I've, I've kind of kept my head in the sand and said, oh, well, <laughs> let somebody else do it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Yeah,
0: I mean I I think uh you know I work in the retail spot in the grocery industry and uh you know I've worked for like Nabisco and those type of companies and all their marketing is done through third parties. So okay. there there is a place for it for sure. The problem is it's not cheap. Right. Um so as a comic book creator to be able to afford someone who's going to do a decent job, you end up being right. on Fiverr or I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right trying to hire someone to do some social media and they live in another country. The communication's really hard. And sometimes the execution of what you were thinking doesn't take place because of that barrier. Right. I'm sure they're really good people and they do a really good job, their own language in their own country. And they're trying to do it here and it's just very difficult, but that's what's affordable. Right. And so it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough trying to find, it's like an artist. Once you find an artist, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, if you could just stay, I'll, I will love you forever. Right. But again, if they have an opportunity, you got to take your hands off and you got to be happy for them, but man, it's really hard to find an Absolutely. artist. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I've been very fortunate and uh, with finding the artists that I find, but again, I, I think we talked well, about budgets earlier when, if, if you have a decent budget and you can be competitive, sure. Um, but then if you spend all of your budget on your art, you don't have that budget to hire somebody else mm-hmm. um, to do social media or even spend it on advertising. Yeah. So, how <laughs> I'm going to ask you the question. So, you, you, uh, the uh, podcast has gotten uh, pretty good traction. Like, yeah. how how is that differed from uh, trying to market the comic? Well, I
0: mean, the difference is I have talented people coming on the show that other okay. people hear from. Right. And so you get clicks by that. Right. And so I purposely try to mix in people that are at my stage in comics, which is very, Uh right. Because I want to create a platform for indie comics for people who are getting into it because other people that want to get into it could listen and learn from that. Right. And then I try to mix in like a Jeremy Adams who's writing Green Lantern. Right. Every once in a while, you know, hopefully one of those folks reach back out to me and say, Yeah, I'd love to be on your podcast. And then that's what attracts viewers. Um, and then so it's, it's got to be a good blend of both. Um, that way you get traction. Because if you're just doing people like me, right, they're like, eh, I never heard of that. And I don't know who this right. person is. And then your, your platform is not going to go very far. So, yeah, it definitely has to be a good blend. But I, I really love it. I'll be honest. I've learned so much just for talking to people like you that have done it and are successful. Um, and so there's a selfish why yeah. I do it, too. Right. So. On the one side, I love comics. I want to meet people in the industry. I want to build a network of great people that love comics too. But on the selfish side, every time I do a podcast and I interview, I'm learning how to be better at the craft. And that's what I love about the podcast too. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a little dual purpose, right? There's, you want to do right for the indie scene. I try to support as many Kickstarters as possible that I could afford. Then on the same side, right? I also want to get something back out of that, and that's just knowledge, so that I can yeah. be better and better at my craft,
1: right? And so uh, I'm I've been saying this, to, or I've I've been noticing a lot coming back in mm-hmm. the way that a lot of podcasts are networking together and stuff, yeah. and but it also seems like you know it's very focused on promotions, just promoting creators. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Do you think um, when you get more into content or uh, craft, do you think that that gives you a better reach? Do you think people get more interested in it? I think so, um,
0: because it's very practical advice if you take it, right? And so usually within the podcast, I just want to get to know the creator, the writer or the artist. So we usually start at the very beginning. So that way we understand how they got into it. I've had some unique conversations where maybe a grandparent got them into writing um, and, uh, or there was one teacher, they failed at everything, but there's one teacher that they made a connection with and it was an art teacher and they fell in love with that art teacher and that art teacher fell in love with that person and, and invested in that person. And all of a sudden they, they have this passion and now they're an amazing artist for the comic book industry. So you hear all these things and it's just amazing. Everyone's background and how different it is. And I, I love it. I just interviewed, um, a, a young woman. She goes by, uh, moon the storyteller. And okay. she writes a comic called Luna. Um, and it is absolutely fabulous. It's for okay. concrete comics. Um, okay. And you can go back and check it out. She's a nurse. Um, she's a little, my age, if not a little bit older, and she loves comics and she just wrote her first comic. And uh, you listen to her story. She did not grow up reading comics. She didn't read comics until much later in life. Um, but she's amazing at what she does. She's a great storyteller. Um, and she, because she's a nurse, she has this, this like passion for people that a lot of us don't have unless you're in a profession where it has to draw it out of you. And so when yeah. you read her comic book, you can see there's a lot of care for each character and the reader. And it's hard to explain but it's just awesome and i would never know that unless i interviewed her and she's amazing i follow her and her content's great she's just like i don't know how to explain her but she just she's warm i'm talking uh-huh. felt like you walked away and got a hug i mean she's just pleasant the most pleasant person right so yeah i it just it's awesome that to be able to meet so many people and then you like i said i, I grew up a gi joe fan um watched the cartoon um for many many years. In fact, if you go to YouTube and you look up Hasbro, one. oh, look at that. Yep, I saw that on your website. I got to get me one of those.
1: It's uh, available as an add on on the Kickstarter. Yeah. Oh, it is. I have to yeah. go
0: and add it. I didn't remember if I saw it or not,
1: but I saw it on your I website. Just, I've just put a couple copies. I mean, we're almost out, but. Yeah, that's uh. so awesome.
0: But I mean, it's incredible, right? The, you grow up with all these things and you get older and you meet someone like you that probably grew up very similar loving that too right right, right. Yeah. yeah so there is a little bit of similarities but it is and, a completely different story
1: and i was gonna say like you know our generation um i just recently uh joined a uh a kind of a club up here the north county cartoonist club oh cool. um, and and it's uh everyone's older than than us yeah. um and uh so I'm hearing different stories and stuff, but just how our generation, you know, yeah, we grew up with G.I. Joe and Transformers and probably got into the Marvel Universe. I'm sure you remember when Turtles got big and the yeah. black and white, funny, funny and stuff. was
0: huge too, man, Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: and then uh, 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 Image Comics. Yeah. And then when Image Comics hit the scene, yeah. I think you know most people of our generation saw that and to me i i was i i was in the punk scene yeah so it was this total diy Yeah. and like oh yeah well of course look at what these guys are doing we can do it ourselves you no, know
0: not as punk as you could get in comics what they all did when they created right, it,
1: right? <laughs> but but keep in mind and uh you know i i I guess I'll quote uh, Mark Silvestri once said in an interview. Hmm. He said, "You know, it really wasn't that big of a risk what we were doing because we sold enough books that if it failed, they would have brought us back."
0: Oh, they had to, yeah, because at at that time, right, that there was this transition in comic books where the story became less important and the art took over, right? Right. See Todd McFarlane's run. A lot of people argue it's not the best written run, but the art just changed everything, right? Right. And so you have all these artists that had that kind of impact on anything they touched for Marvel. So you're right, they left. And if it failed, they would have to bring them back because they were scrambling for a few years trying to get that mojo back that they had when all those folks were with them. Right. So I agree with you. I mean, that's such a good point. And Mark Silvestri is probably, I mean, Todd McFarlane's my guy, but Mark Silvestri is probably my favorite out of that group. Just his art is just so detailed and I don't know how to explain it, but it's incredible. And his run right now, the Batman and Joker, uh, the deadly duo, Incredible. It's probably one of the best DC comics right now, too. Really? I just love it. Yeah, it's incredible. But the art is just I picked
1: up the first issue, but I unfortunately I have not read a lot of comics nowadays.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, someone I I don't know. I'm back. That's why I love indie comics, right? I uh-huh. I can you you know what you're gonna get when you get an indie comic. Um, because uh once you get to know the writer, you get to know the story, it's just so much it's harder with DC because These people aren't as close to you as the the indie people are, right? It's very easy for me to go on Instagram and meet someone that I really enjoy, and they'll come on the podcast, or we could have a conversation. Uh, It's very unlikely. I mean, it happens. I do get people to respond, and we get them on the show, but the vast majority, they're not going to respond to anybody on Instagram, so you don't have that closeness to get to know them, so you don't really know their style until you pick up the book, and I've already paid $4 and now or $5, and I don't like the book, and I'm like, ah. You know what I mean? So that's why I love indie. I'm 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 buying what I like, and I know these people for the most part.
1: Yeah. Um. I. You know. It's obviously you know the indie scene is tough though. I mean you know the resistance for me. If I could, I would do at least a hundred issues. Yeah. And I have an outline for a hundred issues. Mm-hmm. And I, I I constantly think of things like the Elementals, oh. uh, uh, Gold, uh, Gold Digger uh and now the savage uh savage dragon with eric larson um these long form series indie series done by the one of the main creators sure and you get just such a different um you get a consistent voice but you also you you get something unhampered by the corporate uh bands that (laughs) be yeah Um, so that's what's awesome about it right But, but it's, you know, the idea of being able to do that in today's market is very difficult. I mean, you know, you asked what kind of story arcs we have, and I would have loved to do this, this new series at issue four and not do issue number one, Yeah. but it just wouldn't make sense. Like, you know, it's not going to do as well if you brand it with a new issue one and, um, the idea of getting to, you know, 25 issues of an indie series is huge. Is, uh, pretty hard in today's market. I
0: mean, I think you're fairly, I would call that uh, a pretty major success in indie comics if you could get past 20, mm-hmm. um, to be quite honest, right? If you look at Image Comics, and I'm trying to think of some of the one. I mean, a lot of them kind of die off around 30, 40 issues, right? Because it's really hard, and that's Image. So you have right. their marketing you have their distribution network. You have all these different things. Um, and the only thing that really kills them is the comic book stores stop ordering them. Right. But I mean, you get to like 30. That's that's huge in comics.
1: Um, I, you know, I, I do a lot of conventions. I've been doing this for a while. So I, I talked to other publishers and uh, some established publishers, and uh, they've been talking that uh, the last couple of years, standard attrition, what hmm. we once knew it has completely changed um where at one point between issue 1 and 2 you might get a 40% drop off and then a 20 to 10% off each sub- subsequent issue now they're saying between issue 1 and 2 you get about a 70% drop and then between issue 2 and 3 another 40 and then it can keep okay. just keep going and um I know a publisher an established publisher he said this beautiful project that these creators wanted to do but they were insisting on 12 issues. Yeah. And the publisher said there's no way I'll be losing money on every issue after issue 6.
0: Yeah. Wow. Just
1: to print the book. And That's- I you know, I don't know what the solution is, but I mean, I think a big pro- problem is is the readers. Yeah. And the readers are gravitating towards trades yeah. and the traditional bookstores or amazon or books a million or whatever it may be and it's more collectors in the direct market now so um those number ones those variant covers mm-hmm. yeah. that's that's what's selling and they're not reading the books so they don't need to pick up issue four <laughs> and that's that kind of
0: hurts, right? It's it's pretty sad because I agree with you. I was going to say, I think one of the big issues is people don't read comics. They're comic fans. They buy comics, but they, they buy what they think they're going to get rich off down the road, right? And we saw this in the 90s in a right. in a crazy way, right? But it, right. it really hurt the industry for two,
1: three, four years,
0: oh, yeah. um, maybe longer than that. I think it was pretty much most of the 90s was pretty hurt by that.
1: So I I worked in a comic shop in uh, 92 um, is when I first got my uh, job at a comic shop, uh, Mm a local shop in Troy, Michigan, and uh, worked at a couple shops, um, moved to Portland when I was 21 and worked at at, uh, things from another world out there. And then I came back in uh, 97 uh, to Michigan and purchased an existing shop.
0: Okay, And
1: I had my shot between 97 and 2002. And generally that was the, like the toughest time for comics. Yeah. Um, after the image boom, Valiant, all the speculation, death yeah. of Superman, all of that was behind us. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very rough time. Very um, but, the, but what I've been saying is, you know, I didn't have doom and gloom about the direct market at that time. Yeah, And specifically because of what was going on in the indie comic scene, but yeah. even at Marvel, Marvel Knights was, came out at that time when they gave uh, uh, some of the, they gave Daredevil and Black Panther to Joe Quesada. Yeah. Um, and that was all about story.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: that was also the start, near the start of when trade paperbacks were becoming bigger too. Um, and people starting to to write for the trades um but you know that's what solved or that's what saved that time in the industry now there was also some speculation um the ultimate universe came out in 2001 um, and that was after the big fall in the market so um a lot of people speculated on those books but still that there were increases in the market and that was all through readership um I think the problem is uh, so Kickstarter is, is is apparently bucking the trend of the direct market. Yeah. Yeah. And they say that every subsequent issue that you kickstart um, from their data, you have better results than the campaign before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that could also be inflation.
0: <laughs> that's, that's true. That could be, but I, I mean, it makes, I think it makes sense because like my first, time I did, I did an Indiegogo and it just failed miserably. I think I had two of my sisters and my parents support me and that was it. Right. So it failed miserably. So then I, you know, you you start to do a little bit of soul searching. You already spent a lot of money on issue one. And of course, my wife is back here going, this is a hobby, but it's really expensive. Right. So, uh, and and she's right. It's very expensive hobby. Um, but then I did a Kickstarter and then I did really well I didn't say really well. I made my goal, which was really well for me. I was like super. I just want to make my goal. I could finish um, issue one, get that out to the folks, and then at least make enough to do like eight pages of issue two so that I'm starting the next issue. And then this Kickstarter will finish two and then start three. And that's kind of how I've been trying to do it. That way it forces me to have to go on to the next issue. Um, So that, that one did well, this one, it's hard to tell because last time that last week I got so much support come in. So I'm hoping that thing now, but I've talked to others and they said that their second one was much better than their first. And I'm thinking, you know, usually your goal is a little bit less than your first. You just want to get people to try it and then maybe word of mouth. I don't know. And then all of a sudden the second one, like in the difference between the direct market and a Kickstarter is you might get a hundred backers, 150. So that's 150 issues. You could easily get a 200 issues the next time, and you know that's a huge increase over your first time. So I wonder if Kickstarter is considering that as
1: well. Um, there's something to think about with the direct market too. Is the numbers? Uh, I've, I've talked with Diamond a few times over the years, and uh, they they the last time I don't know how different it may be with the new distribution other options but they told me that um an average indie comic sells between one and two thousand copies in the direct market wow i don't know there's very few kickstarters that get a thousand to two thousand backers exactly and so technically know when you're talking an average that's not necessarily a number one so technically there is more readers there yeah Um, it's just not the volume um there was the other um data tidbit that i i gleaned from them too was that an average indie trade though sells between 100 and 300 copies okay so the idea of people just doing trades and not doing single issues Is you're leaving a lot of readers on the table that somebody could, you know, a thousand to 2000 people could read your fourth issue, Mm -hmm. but only 200 people are going to read your trade. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Um,
1: Yeah. And then, but then, and I, I feel like I'm a little all over, but uh, then you have the book market too. And that, that has been the, the, um, the growth in the industry. Mm-hmm. and that's why you've seen the distribution wars because yeah growth in the industry is at barnes noble and amazon and yeah. um yeah no that <laughs> Luckily, makes there sense. is growth and they're readers and that's the biggest thing is that people aren't collecting trade paperbacks yeah. for an investment or mm-hmm. buying trade paperbacks simply to read yeah
0: no exactly i mean i, I have a lot of trade paperbacks but yeah i I'm not, they're not in sleeves in a box, like so right. A of other stuff. Right. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. Incredible. I mean, we're in a unique time, I think. And, you know, Kickstarter really has become like an additional local comic book store for me. And so yeah. I find myself just kind of going through there, you know, obviously the art draws you and then you read what the story is about and it's incredible um, how often on Kickstarter, obviously I have a Kickstarter sphere on there quite a bit, yeah. but Outside of that, I go there and I'm looking for indie comics and I'm looking to back something that's really cool looking, which is such a new experience for me because all my comics come from one store, one guy, and his name's Ambrose and he owns (laughs) Digger's Comics and Collectibles here in Hemet. So most of the to him, right? But I do spend a lot of time on Indiegogo and uh, fund my comic and uh, Kickstarter just looking for
1: something that's unique. And so have you talked to your comic store owner about that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's a pretty positive guy. Um, you know, we're in a fairly small town, right? I think there's yeah. about 70,000 people in Hemet. We have San Ascento. You could add another 50,000 probably. Um, and he's the only comic book store for probably 35 miles or so. We have a graham cracker out in Marietta, but, uh, yeah. um, but yeah, he's, he's pretty much it. And it's a very small store. Um, But he has everything you need and Uh uh, he does pretty well. He has a good mixture between like Funko Pops and toys. So i would be really interesting to ask him what percent of his revenue comes from toys and Funko Pops Uh uh, and what comes from comics. It'd be really interesting. And he also has a lot of trades. And so I would love to know the breakdown. If he would share that, it'd be really interesting but just kind of any, you got to be careful because when you go on YouTube, you know, you have this one group that says comics is dead, it's over. And you have this other group that's very positive and everything is great. I, I do think comics are hurting in, in one way because they don't share the data anymore. And yeah. so they'll tell you when a comic does really well. We sold 400,000 copies of this issue. But what you won't get is the top 200 like you used to get. Right. And how yeah. it was sold, And that was a recent thing. And so I just being in business, I always want to share data when I'm winning, and I never yeah. want to share data when I'm losing, right? right I don't go to right, yeah. our owners and say, hey, <laughs> we lost distribution, sales are down 10%, right? And this is the reason why. But I do want to go before them, and I'll have 5,000 slides cut every single way to show the same story, but be able to tell it over and over again about how amazing things are, right?
1: Right, right, right.
0: There is something going on that I think has hurt the comic industry, um, mainly floppies. And uh, I do think Kickstarter is a big part of that. Um, A lot of, if you look at like a a Scott Snyder, you look at some of these amazing writers that I loved on Batman. And now he went to Substack. Substack is now kind of dropped a little bit, but now they're just doing creator owned. Um, In fact, he writes, uh, what's it called for image? Uh, Gregor, great can't remember how to pronounce it, Guy, Geiger? Yeah, and so you know, when it um, you start to see these guys go and create these independent comics, why aren't they going back to DC and Marvel?
1: Um, I know, um, well, they probably those guys probably made more money, and you know, the rumor was with the Substack deal, they got so much money up, they got front. so
0: much money, and I think uh, Substack is about to go bankrupt from that. I, th- I think that did not work out for them as much, yeah. As they-
1: um, but Jonathan Hickman, he's, he's doing Marvel stuff, but you know, yeah, I've heard the complaints about the, uh, the numbers. And, and like you said, as, as a business owner and I'm a former shop owner, yeah. that, that diamond chart was informative when I started. Yeah. Like, that's how I figured out my orders. Like, my you know, when they did it off the Batman numbers and stuff and like, so you see, okay, these are selling Yeah. like, oh, well, I should be ordering them too. Like, yeah. oh, these aren't well, but then there's also the negative side of it. These aren't selling. So why am I ordering? Them?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. That, so those are
0: the things that kind of give me a little caution as like, it might not be as strong as everyone says it is, but I also don't think it's as bad as everybody says it is either. Like I go on Wednesday and my little comic book shop is packed. Um, I
1: think it's just our- evolving. I think, um, I, I think. We probably won't have as many shops. Hmm. It'll be questionable what happens with Diamond now that Image is exclusive with Penguin. Um, uh, But because they're exclusive with Penguin Random House, comics aren't going anywhere. Exactly. Like, you know, uh, web comics or uh, uh, Webtoons, um, you know, that's a huge platform and there's tons of success stories on that platform. the direct market would not have any idea what they are Mm -hmm. um you know it's the same thing with dave pilkey dave pilkey sells so much dog man and cat kid it's incredible It's, it's insane and you know your your average marvel fan would have no idea who he is or what he does you know so there's growth and there's but you know again for people of our age or just generally those who gravitate towards action comics and uh, action heroes um, that slice, that genre isn't dominating in those, in those other uh, um, channels like it does in the direct market. Mm -hmm. So, and that's good and bad. I mean, I, I don't like my book to be considered a superhero book. Yeah, But I think the term superhero has become so generic at this time that I've kind of given up trying to fight it. Like Kleenex, Um, right? I mean, every
0: tissue you buy is Kleenex and it's
1: not. Marvel and DC finally abandoned their trademark on superhero. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, But it became so generic that... I've seen news stories where they talk about at Comic Con people dressing up as superheroes like Luke Skywalker and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, like, well, those aren't superheroes, yeah. but then again, to the general public, they are. It's the same thing. They're doing super stuff. They're heroes. Like, what's the difference? Exactly. Yeah. I, I also,
0: you know, the one thing we didn't mention is anime too.
1: Yeah, anime as United states.
0: Yeah, manga. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's still as big as ever. Um and yeah, uh and still has growth from my understanding. Um huh. I think it was last year that the biggest growth when it came to comics and graphic novels were actually in adult graphic novels.
0: Oh really? Um,
1: where previous years it's been manga or manga uh and um kids books. Yeah. But it seems like those are kind of filled now and we're back to adult that's good. Like drama. Yeah.
0: That's good for me. I, I enjoy that. I'm glad that that's working. Because when well, I go to Barnes & Noble, you have one row of like your traditional image, DC, IDW, and then you uh, have like seven rows of manga, right? And you're just like, okay, you we don't have the data, but you know barnes and nobles is in the business of generating revenue
1: (laughs) right right oh you don't give that much shelf space to something that doesn't sell
0: exactly yeah
1: (laughs) um but you know it's that so how do you break through and also when marvel and dc kind of have that covered and they're going to be the biggest sellers in in the uh book markets you know like with something like with me with the resistance how do you really break through that and I haven't really figured it out yet, but
0: you got to gotta market KJ. You got to figure out the marketing side of it, man. Social media and it's and
1: exclusives hard. Exclusives with Walmart or
0: Target. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've seen some independents get into Walmart. It's been a while, but yeah. I know it's, it's possible. It's very difficult, but it's possible. But I if believe you do, was, man, you're in 4,500 stores overnight like that. Right.
1: It's- I believe it was Alliance. I think was the last one. An a yeah they did uh, bass reams with um dave williams and yeah. Kevin devo mm-hmm. um and
0: for that i what is chuck dixon he has one starts with the a2 i can't remember what it's called but he has a, his own comic book company that publishes some of his comics and i saw a sidekick on an end cap of his stuff too
1: really yeah at
0: walmart, at walmart yeah wow so, the name of his company but anyways i was surprised i am like like, I don't know if it was in every store, but it was in the one here in Hemet. Oh, wow. But once in a while, I'll see floppies on a sidekick, but it's like once or twice a year. It's probably near right. like the holidays. I bet you, you know, October, November, you'll start to see one, one row of like three different comics and that's it. And then they, you do get graphic novels once in a while, though, in their book section.
1: Which is Yeah. Crazy. And they, they always have a lot of manga or manga, too. <laughs> I am whenever I'm in Walmart like yeah. when I'm looking for toys yep. um I always have to look at the comic section just to kind of you know the the books and stuff just to kind of see what's there and what's being pushed out I mean right. yeah you know I've seen uh more recently they had some like um what are they they're called drops or something you know like the cardboard shelving thing and it was a bunch of like netflix adaptions like stranger things and i maybe a wednesday comic or something pretty cool you know? and uh but it was from a bunch of different publishers too which was kind of interesting
0: i wonder so, if mark millar was on there too right because he's one of the directors of uh, netflix and the miller world is now- right no i don't
1: i don't think it was any of his stuff yeah. um that's because a- that's actually netflix comics it seemed more like somebody uh, maybe lock and key okay Uh, but it seemed more like a distributor who handled a bunch of different publishers put together like oh you know here's all these adaptions or things that tie into the things that are on tv right now yeah i mean that's pretty cool though yeah 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 Yeah. and you see that stuff every once in a while and hopefully it hits and hopefully it, it keeps people reading and I think Mm -hmm. that's what the most important thing about comics, too, as we talk about this, Mm -hmm. like it's so much fun to collect. I mean, you know, I, I always joke I'm a collector, hoarder and seller in that order. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I I think, you know, a lot of us just love to collect, even if it's not about pristine or, you know, even when it comes to trades, you end up with a huge bookshelf full of trades (laughs) before you know it. Exactly. Um, so, I'm not disparaging the collectors. Yeah, um, yeah. but I just think that that the growth with the industry, it's got to come with readers
0: it does it has to come with readers. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent and story, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's my attraction is the story, right? You'll, you'll get me to buy one comic, probably if the art is just crazy good. But if I don't like what I'm reading, I'll never buy the issue two, right? Right, right. <laughs> so, you, you trick me once, man, but you're not gonna give me that second time. It's a nice
1: art book. Yeah, yeah. so you can just get the first one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, KJ, let's before we take off, I want to make okay. sure that we do talk about your Kickstarter.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I think that's really important um, that people get out there. How close are you to your goal? Do you know the percent to goal or have you hit it yet?
1: You know, we're, I think we're at 52%. Our goal is 3000. Um, so we're just over 1500. Um, yeah, this campaign has been pretty slow. Um, haven't been crazy about it. Uh, but it's, you know, it's kind of trucking along at the right, hitting the right spots where I think on the last day we'll get funded. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <what> <laughs> But yeah, it's a, you know, it's a new uh, resistance uh issue number 1 uh, uh the new um story arc is called the Bounty Hunter Blitz. So um I- anybody can go to the uh uh go to bountyhunterblitz.com and you can go it'll take you right to the campaign.
2: Nice.
1: Um but after the uh events in the first mini series Uh, The Resistance have uh, huge bounties on their head. And uh, after six months, they poke their heads out and uh, end up having to battle an army of bounty hunters. (laughs) I love it. And then there's there's a lot of character stuff in there, too. But that's that's the fun stuff. Just all these fun characters that were thrown at them and stuff. Well, if you like action, this is definitely the comic book to read because the
0: action scenes are absolutely incredible. And there's a lot of them, right? There's a lot of back and forth, which I yeah. love. Yeah, right
1: I over. think I, sometimes I think it's too much. Uh, but uh, Jason Johnson, the artist on the series, he loves it. You know, I end up kind of doing like eight pages of a fight scene and then crunch two pages of uh, <laughs> a, a quiet scene, you yeah. know, and try and come <laughs> right back into the action. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's, it's just there's something about... I, I I get bored with things very easy. So yeah. if you don't hit me coming out of the gate, yeah. I usually kind of lose interest. Yeah. And so that's how I've been trying to create comics is trying, trying to hit the reader right out of the gate and have some fun. And we can get into, you know, the nook and crannies of the story later in the issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. You just come right out of the gate, man. Come out swinging and I love it. So yeah, so you're at 52%. You got uh how many days
1: left, do you know? Um I think 17. Uh we end on October 13th. And it was a 30-day, right? You did? Yeah, yeah. And so
0: 50% through almost 50% time. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Um but you know, we're in that lull where it's really slow. Um one of the coolest things we have in this campaign is we have a uh, a Joe Action Figure homage. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, A friend of mine, an artist, Brad Thingvold, digitally painted. So it looks as if it's a carded G.I. Joe uh, vintage O-ring figure, but it's actually Interval and it says the resistance. And (laughs) he did just a spot on job. And really, if you're a G.I. Joe fan... And you think it's cool, you should hire him. He's affordable. I'll give you his number. Like yeah, I'd love you should that. <laughs> be doing it for everybody.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I, I could just encourage everybody to please um go to the Kickstarter, support this Kickstarter. You're gonna love it. Um, and then to get some of the, the back issues, they could just go right to your website and pick these up, right?
1: Yeah, you can order uh, direct through our website, which is bigbluecomics.com. Yep. Um. We also have uh, bundles in the Kickstarter where you can get all the previous issues. Um. We have a couple different levels there, but uh, and a lot of the uh, standard covers are mm. available as add-ons from the campaign too. Awesome. And awesome. Uh, we actually did just a couple of these as add-ons. I know, I'm going to have to go there right now to make sure I get one. Homage to the original G.I. Joe comic. Love it, man. That's so dope.
0: <laughs> and that was
1: another one where... You could lay it on top, and all of the lines. I don't know if you remember from the GI Joe where it's all the blasts, yeah, or all of the lines that bring you into the center of that image. Like I even like
0: the S where you kind of did it in the in the flag. You didn't go too right, very, right, right there, <laughs> yeah. just to let you know.
1: <laughs> I see. Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of fun. I, mean, area. <laughs> I I know it, it seems like it's be getting like beaten to death. The the homage covers but they're cool they are really yeah yeah Yeah. we we have a couple i have a couple x-men ones that jason johnson did that i I, are just in the drawer right now (laughs) x-men number one and giant size x-men number one um we've been kind of saving those for if when we're uh eventually do diamond releases
0: oh okay wow that would be really cool that would be really cool
1: yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) to see these characters jumping out off the page like that that'd be awesome (laughs)
1: yeah yeah um I'll, I'll send you something yeah
0: nice yeah well kj i can't tell you how much i
1: appreciate you jumping on oh yeah, you're pretty great funny. sorry if i you know this ended up just being a conversation love <laughs> i love
0: it i mean i think if you listen to this you're gonna learn a lot i think
1: um okay and, uh, yeah I I just, about not too non-linear
0: no i love it i love it kj and i would love to have you back on again
1: um yeah anytime and uh, um I don't know if you, uh, if I can talk one of the artists um, to coming on. That'd be awesome. Um, instead, like Jason Johnson, or maybe get you in contact with uh, Ben or Drew or something.
0: I love it. Yeah. We would love to have them on. Love to talk comics. I could do this all day long. <laughs> right. Uh, I love yeah. it.
2: But
1: yeah. <laughs> all uh, right. Jay, thank you so, so much. Okay. Wish you the very best, my friend. And uh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Thank you so much. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That, yeah, I, like uh, I love what you are and I was able to check out a bunch of the episodes before I came on and it's nice. really cool man.
0: yeah I appreciate it yeah yeah well this one will be up pretty soon man and I can't wait to see how people react right. to it. it'll be fun
1: awesome uh do you want me uh to send you anything like uh uh, uh cover images or anything like that do you that would be great marks? yeah
0: if you could send whatever over um then I could okay. add that as we're talking um,
1: oh okay. that would be awesome
0: oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then at the front, too, I think...